I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Welcome back to Blue Milk Drop, a Star Wars podcast. This is your pilot speaking. Please make your way back to your seat, buckle your seatbelts, and get ready for the jump to light speed. My name is Nate, the Force Coast, and as always, I'm joined by my trusty co-pilot, Brucker. We'll be making this run in about 12 parsecs, so while you're here, listen to the episode, share it with friends, rate us five stars on iTunes and Spotify, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Milk Drop, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. Then we'll be making our descent onto Tatooine to geek over parts one and two of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series. That being said, again, my name is Nate, and I'm joined by my good friend, Brucker. Brucker, how's it going? Yo, I am so happy to be here with you. I'm talking, finally, we're finally talking about probably one of the most anticipated Star Wars projects in a long time. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm excited. In a noise, tell me how your reaction to these episodes. In a noise. Uh. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Oh my god. Dude, this, oh, it, this was super anticipated. I saw advertisements everywhere for it. I feel like they went above and beyond for this show compared to like Book of Boba Fett and even Mando, surprisingly. Uh, just mm-hmm. the advertisements for this. So I... They made it hype, and then it also just kind of landed on top of like when Star Wars Celebration was going on, so that just kind of really made the whole experience magical, and it was super magical. Yes, for sure. This was... this The whole premiere of this was so much fun. I loved the two episodes that we got. I know we're going to go into details and our reactions and everything, but just what a, what a fun week to be a Star Wars fan, honestly, when this came out. There's so mm-hmm. much stuff going on. I know it really was. And they made it, oh God, releasing it early. That just made it even so much better. Um, But here's how this episode's going to work. We'll be going over the show details as always. Uh, Initial reactions slash general discussion. Then we're just going to transition to some bold predictions, give our Death Star episode ratings, and we're going to close out the show. So you ready to get into it? Oh, yeah. All right. So the official release date technically was Thursday, May 26, 2022, even though the announced one was Friday, but they gave it to us early during celebration, which I think was just a huge thing. And it really just made it that much special. The official run times for part one was 53 minutes and part two was 39 minutes. So it kind of varied a little bit. Uh, these episodes were written by Joby Harold, and the whole series is directed by Deborah Chow. She's doing, doing a fantastic job. Our stars are Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Moses Ingram, Sung Kang, Rupert Friend, Joel Edgerton, and Kumail Nanjiani. And here's our episode summary, just to bring you back. Because, you know, we've already, episodes three has already come out, so we're just talking about the two. So, after ten years of hiding, Obi-Wan Kenobi is thrust into the spotlight once again with the emergence of the not-so-Sith Inquisitors arriving on his hideaway planet, looking to squash the remnants of the Jedi Order. Called upon by a familiar friend, Kenobi must make the journey to save the young Princess Leia Organa, as he is her only hope. But wait, it's a trap! (laughs) (laughs) Kenobi soon finds out that Leia was just the bait, and he, in fact, was the prize fish. So, initial reactions, Brucker, what did you think of this two-episode drop that we got right off the bat? It was so good. I'm I I don't know if I really knew what to expect. I know we did our trailer reaction and <clears throat> kind of had high hopes during that and going into it I was very excited and I, I yeah, had high hopes for it. And honestly, I'm really happy with all the surprises that we got. I mean, I found this to be co- very moving not gonna lie the first time i watched mm-hmm. part one i got teary eye a few times i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding the whole order 66 thing was mm. just chilling and the the big surprise to me was getting princess leia in this and 
I love it that they included that character. There was not even a whiff of that in the trailers, mm-hmm. I don't think. And nope. the show's been full of surprises, in my opinion, and it feels like it's it really feels like that they kind of got what was so appealing and what, you know, went to like the core of so many people that were fans of revenge of the Sith and also like understanding why people really liked a new hope as well. And this kind of felt like they were kind of trying to blend those two um, things and just put it into this product. And I don't know, I've just been such a fan of this. Um, Where are you at? Uh, I think we're we're in the same boat. I, we got we're both paddling together for this one. This this show <laughs> blew me away. Wow was the word I said. Like the second we got the Order sixty six scene, like right off the bat, I said, okay, I need to like reset my brain because this is what we're doing, and I <laughs> was not prepared for it. And it was actually like a lot more emotional than um, mm-hmm. than I remember because I think the first time I saw the Order sixty six scene with the slaughter of the. Um, of the Padawans by Anakin, I was just like, whoa, that was crazy. But I was also young. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now uh, I'm an uncle. I've got three nieces. And so, and I didn't realize like how much that would affect how I viewed this scene. So starting it off with the Padawans and them just being hunted, (laughs) you know, I was thinking about my nieces the whole time. I was just like, dude, Oh geez, this sucks. (laughs) I hated, I (laughs) I, like hated it, but I loved it. You know what I mean? I loved it because I remember, you know, what it brought me back to and how I felt during that, that scene, which was just so sad, uh, mm-hmm. but so, you know, interesting, compelling to watch, but seeing it this time, you know, with my nieces in mind, I was just like legitimately scared. So I can only imagine like what the parents felt watching this scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, and then it just kind of, then the rest of the show just kind of jumped into Kenobi stuff. And then we just kind of, didn't get anything about the order 66 stuff. So I was just kind of thinking about that in the back of my head and just kind of had my mind like swirling the whole time. And um, I will say it was so before I started making theories in my head, it was a little distracting, but um, overall the show was incredible. And um, just like what you said, it was a perfect blend between revenge of the Sith and a new hope. And it was, I mean, it's it was better really than good it was better than, yeah, exactly. It really was like you were, you worded it so perfectly. Um, it was better than I expected. <laughs> I'll admit that. I started to get worried when they said it was uh, comparing it to the movie Logan, which I love that movie. It's just, it was slow. And I mm-hmm. was just worried what the, what the people's reaction was going to be. But it, this one, this is a slow burn. This is emotional show. And you really, you get that. You get that in everything. Yeah, for sure. And I love just how much that we are trying, that the show is trying to, show like where Kenobi's mental is at in this mm-hmm. too. We we really see just how much like PTSD he has from the events of Revenge of the Sith. We see how much it's weighing him down. Uh, he feels guilty. He feels ashamed. He, we, we definitely are. It's definitely conveying how he's kind of putting the failures of the Jedi, the Republic Anakin, him failing Qui-Gon, he's putting all of that on his shoulders in this. Mm-hmm. And it's so evident with just how hard he, he's putting, how much, how hard he's beating on himself and how much that he is. He, he it's not, it's, he's kind of grieving, you know, the things that happened to Anakin. And this was so cool that we finally got some answers about, at least I never knew if Obi-Wan knew this, whether or not he knew Anakin died on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool that we kind of got to explore that in that, um, that reveal that he gets uh, in episode in part two of this, where he finds out that Anakin is alive and that like scares him even more for some reason. And it's, yeah, I don't know. And the, in part one, it was so great for so many things. I felt like it was the heaviest of them. And I love like a lot of like the visual, metaphors we got throughout it i mean there's just there's so many things i want to get into and i I don't even know where to start (laughs) (laughs) do start anywhere you want uh yeah you know when when you and i were texting about this beforehand and you kind of told me what you just said um i actually hadn't even considered that that he blamed the whole jedi order falling on himself because you know he had the sole responsibility of anakin and anakin is the one who eventually 
you know, led the overthrow of the Republic into the Empire. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of gave it like this whole new gravitas. I don't know if that's the right word to use in the sentence. It feels right. But it just added like a whole new level of gravitas to like the whole thing. And um, it just, it really did. It made the show that much better. Well, it's not just like gravitas. It's like importance, like how, mm-hmm. how crucial and important he thought of himself. I mean, he was on the Jedi Council. And like you said, it was his decision to go against the council and raise Anakin and train him. And mm-hmm. he, he, he firmly believed that Anakin was the chosen one and that he, in that he, so he put that responsibility on himself to raise the chosen one and be a surrogate mm-hmm. father for him. And also just, you know, Jedi master to him. Yeah. And he sees, you know, him, <laughs> Anakin's fall to the dark side, his fault. And yeah. he, he even, which shouldn't be a surprise because, you know, for years, Star Wars fans have always speculated about how much PTSD Obi-Wan must have and how much he must, how depressed he must be and how much grieving he must be going through there on Tatooine. And I mean, we even get it in Revenge of the Sith. He says, Anakin, I have failed you. And yep. he gives that whole emotional speech. So I love that Deborah Chow and the writers kind of just went, all right. What is his headspace 10, 10 years later? Is he like still mm-hmm. thinking about everything? Is he still, you know, wondering what could have happened if he did this, this, that, or the other? And we see that he is still having dreams about their fight and still, and even in these dream sequences, he gets little flashes of him as a kid. So like he still like remembers the child that he was and he like mm-hmm. is ashamed of what he had to do to that. Um, it's just very cool seeing where he's at and how how low he is in this yeah it definitely adds also to like i I watched some of the a new hope scenes with like his first scenes with luke um Mm. and how he's got like that thousand mile stare when he's talking about darth vader you're right and his and his dad anakin and it's just like whoa okay like that's what he's thinking he's still having those thoughts um and then whenever that scene where the Jedi comes up to him and recognizes him. He's like, master Kenobi, like I need your help. And in that scene, in that moment, Kenobi's just like, I can't help you. Cause like really in his head, he's like, I, I literally can't help you. This is literally my fault. I would only make this worse. And then obviously, you know, the guy ends up dying anyways, but it was just crazy to think about the whole thing. Yeah. And it shows like what his answer is to the inquisitors and to the empire. And it's just to hide. Like he's not a mm-hmm. fighter at this point. He's just like, we've lost, let's just accept it and move on. Like he is a defeated person. And I'm assuming the direction that the show is going is that he's going to learn why he still needs to be a fighter in it. Yeah. Um, and it, that at the same time, it's also because you pointed this out while we were chatting earlier, that it's interesting that the show is showing how low he is right now, morally, and that he doesn't want to fight or anything but he still has this goal of training luke and it's it's kind of counterintuitive but i'm curious about like how just just trying to rationalize that the two like that yeah so i was i was kind of uh marinating on that a little bit some more after we talked and it was like it, it is it is like completely counter to his whole mindset right now um and just wanting to hide and obviously like he also isn't even um, probably very skilled, right, with the lightsaber at this point because it seems like he really is just out of practice. Mm-hmm. But I was also thinking about he probably just wants to get Luke before he's too old. You know what I mean? Because Ooh. because of what happened with Anakin, so he's trying to get him in like more of the adolescent stage and not in a place where you know he's he's already formed attachments or he's already you know got a little bit of resentment towards people and that he's just going to like build on him just like Anakin did. Um, and the resentment towards, you know, losing his mother and mm. not being, you know, empathized for in his situation. So I that don't know. It, it's yeah. I, I wonder if it's just kind of playing into that whole thing of how Luke has always uh, represented hope in the galaxy. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. episode four is literally called a new hope and it's about him. <laughs> and so I wonder if that's just, you know, that's Obi-Wan's hope as well as, you know, being able to, for the lack of a better phrase, have another crack at it, you know, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know that, that that you know he sees Luke as his you know the the next thing that he could try how he can try to fix things is maybe mm-hmm. through Luke, and that's the only thing he like will really allow himself to try to go back into that world of Jedi training, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably why he was so reluctant to you know do this mission to go save Princess Leia, uh, which I find really interesting that he's so gung-ho on like training luke but for not I, her yeah not her that's interesting yeah. i wonder if we'll get it, any of that in this yeah it was weird that he was so dismissive to help her because it's just like they're the same they're this they're basically twins. i mean they're the same thing you know what i mean <laughs> they're literally have the same father they've got the same mother they've got the same blood in them probably mm-hmm. the same powers right like why wouldn't you want to take a crack at it using your words. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. I um, I will say just kind of segueing a little bit uh, and sorry that I cut you off. Um, but no, you're good. <laughs> segueing a little bit about, because we're talking about princess Leia and Luke in this, this was really the first time when we got to see Alderaan. So freaking cool. Finally, we got to mm-hmm. see it. And I loved seeing her upbringing. Her parents uh, are super cool. I thought, I love that I forget his name, but the the guy who Bale. played Bale, uh, that he he came back in this, you know, just doing, they're both doing just a phenomenal job. I love it, mm-hmm. and I never really thought about it, but Luke and Leia had such different upbringings. Like she literally grew up in royalty on a very sophisticated planet and was raised to be a politician, raised to be a senator, and mm-hmm. Luke was just always in the eyes of his surrogate parents destined to just be a farmer on Tatooine. And yeah. it's very, it, it's, it's just crazy. Cause I've never really thought about that dynamic about how, just how different their upbringings were and how they were on completely different spectrums of the tax bracket. I just never thought about it that way. <laughs> and this was really cool yeah. to see that. And I honestly, I thought that the child actor playing Leia was doing such a great job in this. She was very cute and she was spunky. Good. i i think yeah. carrie fisher would be so proud of it yeah she kind of looked like her too honestly mm-hmm. um yet talking about like their upbringing yeah they, i mean they grew up with a completely different mindset because you got bail organa telling her like you're gonna be the queen one day and you're gonna be able to tell your cousin who's boss you know and then luke luke's over there wanting to join the empire trying to be a pilot but like you said like his uncle owen it's just like, no, man, you're, you're a farmer. This is what you're destined to be. This is what it's going to be. And you're not even going to leave this town. Like, that's not even an option for you to go anywhere else. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. It oof, give me chills. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're just kind of bouncing around a lot here. Um, do you want to talk about <laughs> how you want to talk about Qui-Gon Jinn a little bit and how much he keeps trying to reach out to him? Oh, Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering so hmm. background on on Qui-Gon Jinn this is not for you Brooker I assume you already know this information but Qui-Gon Jinn is the one (laughs) yeah you just step away this is this is just daddy daddy's talking right now Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just messing um so the thing with Qui-Gon Jinn is he is the only he learned how to do force ghost right except he didn't finish his training but so he was just the voice. He was audiobook version of Force Ghost, right? He wasn't the actual book. He wasn't the novelization. He was mm-hmm. just an audiobook. So he audiobooked to Yoda, taught Yoda how to be a book, how to Force Ghost fully, you know, in the full form. Yoda teaches Obi Wan. So that being said, that's how they're, that's how all that works, right? That's mm-hmm. why we don't see other Jedi in the form of a Force Ghost because nobody else learned it because. Qui-Gon was a hippie. He learned all the hippie stuff that people forgot about and taught it to people. But anyways, I was thinking about that and I'm wondering like, how much are they talking back and forth? Like, is there, is there regular communication? Did Qui-Gon fade away at some point? Why wasn't he answering? I think that those are like a ton of questions that I hope they do answer throughout the show because it's something I'm super curious about. And I don't know, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's just where I stand. Yeah. I don't, so I've gone back and forth. I'm on the fence of like whether or not we're going to see Qui-Gon as a force ghost in this or not, because I find it interesting that Kenobi 
in his, you know, in, in his depression and in his PTSD, he keeps trying to commune and go back to his old master for, mm-hmm. for help and guidance in this, which, which makes sense. Um, but, and I was thinking, I wonder if the show's going to go to the direction of that, that just never happens. And that well, at least we, the audience never see it happen. And that mm-hmm. Obi-Wan just learn, has to learn that he has to, he can't be told what to do because he's always kind of relied on the council for answers and mm-hmm. you know how he should feel about certain things and guidance. But I'm wondering if this show is going to push him in the direction of self-discovery and like, you know, you don't need your former master to tell you how to get through these things. And it's going to be more just about like, you know, being self-resilient and finding like a new family in a sense, like a, not like finding a new council, but like, maybe finding like other people to lean on and that like he can, he can get through this uh, on his own. However, then <laughs> I rewatched the opening of part one right before we hopped on. Cause I freaking love this awesome, like four minute YouTube highlight clip that we get of uh, the, the mm-hmm. recap, which phenomenal job. Whoever edited that just did such a great job. And yep. it's very purposefully ends on Yoda saying, you know, training you have, communing with your old master, I have been, or something like that. So I feel like it's setting up for Qui-Gon to show back up, whether it's a full-on Force Ghost or just like a voiceover from Liam Neeson speaking with him, which I'll be, in if, if the show goes that direction, I'll be fine with that. I mean, I think either direction would be cool as long as it seems purposeful as to how it helps Obi-Wan with his own character arc in this show. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to address what you just talked about backwards first talking about yeah. um, the Qui-Gon stuff. So Qui-Gon can't appear physically because oh, okay. you know how in the most basic way to describe it, his body d- didn't disappear how Yoda and Obi-Wan's did. Yeah, they burned so that body. <laughs> they burned the body. So he's he is he is strictly voice. He is Do you think he was mad? Only. He was just over there going, no, oh, dude, he was this pissed. Is... Dude, <laughs> he was like, like, I didn't no. get a chance to dissipate. I was going to evaporate, me, man. Just give me a couple hours. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> I had plans, man. You stabbed me in the gut. <laughs> cut my arm off. Everybody gets their arm cut off. I get stabbed. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it's funny that you're talking about um, Obi-Wan needing like a council to lean on just because I so I, I, I was reading the the Brotherhood book. <clears throat> and that's the book that takes place between episodes two and three. The new one that just came out by Mike Chen. And one of the things that they're t- that Obi-Wan Kenobi is thinking about a lot is the fact that right after episode two, he's added to the Jedi council and he's got like major imposter syndrome. He's like, I should not be here with the likes of Mace Windu Yoda. And he's just naming off people and like all their accolades. Right. And how he just doesn't match up because he's, he's like, he's like, you know, I was, all I did was train the chosen one. And I don't even think I did that great of a job. And now we're in a war in the middle of something and everybody's getting rushed into positions that nobody's really prepared for. And I don't think I should be here. So he's always questioning his own thoughts. So I think, yeah, this show is probably definitely going to get into the whole um, realm of self-discovery and like leaning on his own self and that, you know, he shouldn't doubt mm-hmm. himself despite what happened with Anakin, what happened with the Jedi order. Like he, you know, he just needs to get his confidence back. That's it. Get his roof back. Yeah, he's got to get his groove back. He's got to get his mojo back. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yes, I'm really excited to see see how they, uh, you know, just just play play that out and everything. It's going to be very cool. Yeah, I think so too. Did you ever? Wa- I don't think I ever wondered what he was doing in between, like job wise. I didn't even think he had a job. I just assumed he had money. But that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I never. Was really that crazy? Yeah, we, we do see he's kind of like this meat fac- factory worker or he's whatever. A, he's a butcher. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he's cutting tuna steaks. Um, and I got to say, <laughs> the, the freaking wardrobe department knocked us out of the park. I love like his leather apron he has and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, the like, Ian McGregor just looks good in everything they put him in. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The blue fit. The blue fit is what works for me. I just I think it looks so good. It's nice yeah. seeing him out of like the typical Jedi robes. And then he gets back in the Jedi robes and I was like, oh man, I was loving this blue outfit. But Yes, I wanted I wanted him to fight the Inquisitors wearing an apron so badly. It just says <laughs> like kiss the chef. <laughs> uh Brucker and I were talking about going to Star Wars Celebration next year. Um, we should dress up as Obi-Wan Kenobi butchers. 
<laughs> that's it. Just with our little knives, but not real knives, obviously, but just, yeah. Yes. I would love that so much. Um, mm-hmm. That would be so good. Uh, there, there's so many things in my notes I want to talk, talk about. Um, I'm trying to figure out like the next talking point. Do you want to talk about, should we talk about the inquisitors or do you want to move yeah, on to something else? Uh, no, let's talk about inquisitors. Okay. How do you feel about the inquisitors in this show so far? So I'm familiar with them because I watched Rebels and they're pretty big in that. Um, yeah, I my experience with them is that I've run, ran into them in uh, Jedi Fallen Order, but I have okay. not watched Rebels. But, oh, I take that back. I have read some comics where they're in them. Okay. Have you seen, do any of the people match up between this and Fallen Order? Not really. I don't think so. No. Yeah, they're kind of doing that, right? They're like not having all the same people show up. I think that's interesting. Which makes me think, I like like, them. man, they, have a, they must have a bunch of Inquisitors just, just going around the Empire. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I like it. I think it's cool to have, you know, these people out there. It kind of breaks the whole, like, quote-unquote, rule of two, right? There can only be two Sith. Um, mm-hmm. One to have the power and one to crave it. Well, are they Sith or but are they just they're dark not, side they're users? Not, they're not cis. So that's how they're kind of like getting around this whole thing. Um, but I do like <laughs> the idea of having like, you know, like the special squad, yeah. the special squadron to go out, do the dirty work and still give us lights. I mean, I just feel like this is just an easy cop out to give us more red lightsabers to look at. Yes, <laughs> but, but it mean, works. Like, like, you know, like I was kind of wishy washy on it at first in, in this show. I mean, actually, I probably just like as a whole, but mm-hmm. I will say it is it is cool. It's it's growing. I'm starting to warm up to it a little bit. It is cool to kind of see how it's flipped. We went from like a bunch of Jedi. Now we have like a bunch of Dark Force users. So it is that that is kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like Disney Star Wars is kind of more exploring like the in between between the Jedi and the Sith, like not the like polar opposites of each other, but just like you know, middle good, middle bad, and then just like straight in the middle with certain characters obviously those characters we haven't seen in this show but mm-hmm. they exist um i i like them what do you think about reva who is pretty much like the main character right now um i'm 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 having a hard time finding my footing on her to be honest uh okay. actually really just all the inquisitors in, in this uh, kind of like i don't know i mean they're cool and they're interesting and it's in it's a pretty good adversary for Obi-Wan and like other people in this. And mm-hmm. you need to have like convincing villains in this, but I think that's where I'm also kind of lost. Cause I don't feel like they're convincing villains. Um, so I don't know. So like with Reva specific, since you asked about Reva, is she in rebels or any other stuff or is she brand new no, to this? This is this, she's brand spanking new. I'm the so only cu- person, the only person we've seen, uh or haven't seen before is the girl with the green tentacles oh okay so like the grand inquisitor was not yeah he no he is he's in rebels uh and then fifth brother that's the dude with the hat sung kang's character he's he's in the show Um, the hey arnold sith yeah that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) move it football head uh yeah he's (laughs) yeah he's in the show he's in the show he's a lot cooler in this show i tell you he was I like him the most, I think, out of the Inquisitors. He looks the coolest. He looks the coolest. And his voice acting is really good, too. Like, I really like what he's doing with it. He almost sounds like a lizard. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense. But Mm -hmm. I love how, like, how raspy he is with it. And for uh, Moses Ingram, I mean, I know that she's an accomplished actor. I mean, she's won uh, awards for her acting. I'm just curious about, like, what she was told was her reference point for this character of Reva because it seems kind of flat and I'm just like, I'm just kind of lost on just, you know, what Deborah Chow and company told her that she needs to be like in this, because it seems kind of, I don't know. I, you know, we're talking about, I think the thing that really, really throws me off the most about her acting in this show is Mm -hmm. that, I don't know. I think it's just her voice is like kind of soft and it, she doesn't really seem like she, she feels like someone that's trying to be a wannabe villain, not someone that like is a villain, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I, anyways, so, and her voice is just kind of soft. Like, I feel like she just needs to like 
go out and party all weekend, like smoke some cigarettes, get hungover, and just like show up <laughs> and just show up to do this. And then I feel like that she would be the perfect amount of like horse for this. Like she would have like an evil, a more villain, villainous voice, and she'd be like pretty irritable. She'd be like kind of like pissed off and like out of. <laughs> so you just want a, a groggy. I want, fresh off a of bender, Moses Ingram. Yes, I just yeah, that's, that's what I want. <laughs> I want her to be pissed, but like, like it, it, it just feels like it's coming. It doesn't feel genuine, and I hate mm-hmm. like sitting here and like critiquing someone's acting because like I know like acting's hard, and I hate like because I know like what I'm saying is like making the people's eyes roll, and it's like the most annoying thing on the internet to like always see people complain about acting. Like I get it, but yeah. that's really the only like weak spot in this show so far. Uh, but it's because I've seen each episode like a couple of times now and I will say it's like, it's like kind of warming up to me, but like maybe I'm just like really wanting to like it. So I'll, I'll see where it goes and I'm sure that we're going to get some sort of big reveal or something that's going to like be like, Oh, okay. So that's what this character is all yeah. about. Yeah. I think for me, like for her character and all that, I think uh, I like to take more of like a holistic approach really. I mean, to like mm-hmm. all movies and TV series and such like that. And just, kind of make my judgments at the end just just to be sure because i've got this little thought in my head and i already told brecker this you don't have to react or anything to it but i did did want to share this on the pod because i thought this is just what's kind of like taping my brain together (laughs) right now for this Mm -hmm. show and trying to make sure i don't get like too distracted by too many different things that are going on but here's my thought so and this is all this all like pertains to her acting in the show, right? Because everybody's got something to say on Twitter, it seems. Um, but so it's it's pretty much common knowledge, right? That everybody thinks that the Padawan in the opening scene, the the Order sixty six scene, is Reva, right? As a child, as a Jedi child, definitely a theory so, I have. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think a lot of people feel that way. That's because I mean they centered on you know her character right up front. But another person that we knew was at the temple was uh, the Grand Inquisitor. So just background on the Grand Inquisitor real quick. He was a Jedi. He was a Jedi temple guard, right? Uh, they were like an anonymous force, just security force within the Jedi temple meant to protect. They're supposed to be the people who are the most detached from emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And the protectors in moments like these, right? So the Grand Inquisitor was that. Obviously, he turned to the dark side. And that's like a huge betrayal of, you know, the oath that he took. And there was a. Actually, scratch it. Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind for the rest of this theory. I'm thinking that her character as a whole, Reva's character, is just like. She's just pissed off at everybody, at three different people specifically for different reasons. And then she's kind of got this plan where they all just kind of like coalesce together and, and make sense and. It's going to backfire on her. I think she's headed for a gruesome demise, but we'll get there. So the first person she's mad at is the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, One being that, so he, he was the temple guard, right? He is sworn to protect her. And as we saw, and this is assuming that she is the Padawan in the beginning. She is young, right? She probably, as the kids, they're probably like, what do we do after their Jedi master was killed right in front of them. They probably went to the Jedi temple guards and was like, you, you guys are sworn to protect us, protect us. We're too young. We can't really defend ourselves. We don't even have real lightsabers. So she probably went to him and she even makes this comment in the show talking about how he failed her. Right. And I'm going to try to drop that audio like right here, right after I say it. Whatever power you are craving, it will not change what you are. The least of us. You came to us from the gutter. Your ability gave you station, but all the power in the world can't mask the stench beneath. Maybe that stench is your failure. Okay, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) And so she, she makes that comment to him and just that she trusted him as a young person and the, the one person who was, sworn to protect her this jedi temple guard the grand inquisitor has fallen to the dark side and is now with the enemy and now she's with the enemy and you know 
she couldn't determine her own fate and she's resentful for that. She didn't want to go be on the dark side. It just happened. Second person she's mad at is Kenobi. So with Kenobi, uh, as we saw at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he sends out this message, right, to the entire Jedi Order telling them, you know, don't come back to the temple. Again, dropping that audio right here. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Do not return to the temple. That time has passed. Okay, we're back. This is going to be really embarrassing if I didn't put the audio in there. <laughs> if I forget somehow, but just pause the show, go on YouTube, look it up. But I'll do it. I promise I'll do it. Oh my God. Um, anyways, so she's mad at Kenobi because she's young and vulnerable and a Padawan and can't protect herself. She's got this Jedi Temple card who just is a limp noodle and didn't protect her. And so her next, <laughs> that's, that's like been my favorite word lately, first of all. Um, but so she's hoping that other Jedi are going to come rescue her, but a member of the Jedi Council, the overarching, the overseeing council of their entire order is telling other Jedi, do not come back regardless of any situation. Anything you hear to come back is probably a trap. So she's just like, dude, what the heck, man? <laughs> We're kids here. There's still people alive here. Like you guys need to rescue us. And he pretty much just put up a whole force field to just make sure that them. didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. She, he's the reason that her fate um, was decided by the enemy aside from the grand, grand inquisitor. Now the third person she's mad at is Darth Vader himself. Right. Uh, Cause he is the, the catalyst in this whole thing. Um, so she makes this interesting comment to Kenobi saying that um, Darth Vader is Anakin and Anakin's alive and he's Darth Vader. Right. And that is, that struck me as odd because mm -hmm. in the comics and books and everything, if you know, Vader is Anakin, you're not going to be alive for that much longer because that is a secret. He is taking to the grave that only him and Sidious know. And really the only people who've kind of like thunk it up on their own have been uh, Tarkin and Thrawn. And that's it. And those are two of the smartest people in the galaxy, right? But anyways, so she knows this. And I kind of thought to myself, how would she even know that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. How would she mm -hmm. make that connection? But my thought is she was a Padawan at the temple during Order 66 when Anakin was there slaughtering people himself. So she probably saw him, right? And she probably heard the clones referring to him as Lord Vader during that whole process. And then once, you know, she becomes in this inquisitor program and sees darth vader and here's the same thing she probably just made the connection in her head like oh my god that's the same guy mm. um and him being the person that started this whole thing that's like the biggest resentment right and how this all kind of connects is that they both have a mutual hate for kenobi so she's got this whole plot in her head to get close to vader and we've seen it so far she's quote unquote killed the grand inquisitor right to make sure that she will now be the next grand inquisitor to be close to vader and once he has her trust at the, the highest point she's going to kill him herself uh all while trying to capture kenobi and killing him all together so pretty much she's got everybody kind of working together and supporting argument for this she doesn't have the sith eyes she doesn't have the yellow sith eyes and i think that's weird that she's an inquisitor and everybody else has them, but she doesn't have it. So mm. I'm thinking she's kind of working, working on something. And the ultimate point, kind of what I was getting to about her acting and how this relates to her acting is that my thought is that she is putting up a whole ruse, right? So she is actually playing a role within her actual acting role as Moses Ingram, right? To throw everyone off uh, to make them think that she's bad but she's ultimately got this whole scheme in her head uh, so she can do what she's been intending all along. So that's, that's my huge, bold prediction. That's my big twist that I think is going to go down. But so like, what we'll do you see. think her like ultimate goal is? Do you think she's trying to like overthrow Vader and be Palpatine's second hand or see, see, that's what I don't know. I can't really, I'm not finding like the, the driving force behind mm -hmm. all this other than her just, wanting revenge for 
her childhood, her lost childhood, her lost life, right? She's mm-hmm. now in a path that she can't escape from. Because what? If she tries to escape from being an Inquisitor, she's going to be hunted down, you know? So Right. She's trapped. If that's the case, then I would assume that we would get more like flashbacks to Order 66, Emmy, which I would be so down for. I just, yeah, I, I love it. I'm just, I'm such a glutton for it. But that would be kind of interesting if we do get more into her psyche a little bit, just about like, you know, what she's doing and like, is she trying to like pull one over on Vader? I think mm-hmm. she's trying to pull one over on all of the Inquisitors for sure. Because yeah. she she wants to be Grand Inquisitor for whatever reason. I, I guess I guess it's just mm-hmm. like that Sith thing of just you know wanting power. Yeah, yeah it's so. like the highest attainable power that they can have right within their realm because they're not beating Vader, they're not beating Sidious, but they've got their own little program that they can be on top of. So mm-hmm. you know, why not be the best of that? Like that could be it too. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. I mean, like I hope that I just hope you know it gets better with the Inquisitors in this because mm-hmm. honestly so far that's probably been the weakest point so far of this show but like it's you think it's not it's, oh, man. i think so but it's not like so weak i'm just like oh god i like hate it whenever it comes up like i'm not <laughs> like that like it's totally fine i mean mm-hmm. i had to pick something to be the darks the, the not so great spots of this show and i think it's just the inquisitor's full cloth but i mean you know, it's whatever. It's it's like I said, it's growing on me. So I I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this, I'm like, okay, like I came around on it, and like it actually isn't that bad. Yeah. Okay. I mean, everything well, else I'm is just so good. I just had to pick something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. We're really just like nitpicking right now. Like we yeah. really actually love the show. It's just. Yeah, I mean, because like you gotta, you gotta have is, something to say. Everything else is so good in this. I mean, like I said, I. So in the first episode. I talked about some like the visual metaphors that they did in this, which I just thought were so good. Um, I love, I love how much it parallels to a new hope too, because Mm -hmm. we see Obi-Wan in his cave. He gets the blue hologram of like somebody requesting his help from the Organas. The Organas are requesting his help for, to save Leia again, or not again, again to the audience, but not again to Obi-Wan yet. Um, Mm -hmm. What a weird saga this is, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like, oh, like I just love how much that mirrors a new hope. And I, I don't know why I found that so moving. And when he finally decides to take this mission, to take this quest, I love that he goes out to the desert and he exhumes his and Anakin's lightsabers. And mm-hmm. I loved seeing them together because, you know, it's him burying what he once knew besides just like what those lightsabers actually are. Like, you know, like Jedi tools of the Jedi, him burying his Jedi-esque or his Jedi-ness, if you want to put it that way. But those two lightsabers together it's also symbolizing the relationship he had with anakin like he buried Mm -hmm. that he is trying to remove that from his life and from his being and 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 this is kind of like to me that was kind of signaling he is going to reopen those wounds and and address that relationship and address how all that played out and that kind of really comes to it comes to a head later on in this. We're just talking about the first two episodes today, but uh, we, we get more of that. And so I'm really interested to see on how he keeps addressing this Anakin relationship that he used to have and how he learns to feel about it throughout this show. I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. God, that's great. Do you think uh, I, it was an also a nice kind of parallel to the end of episode nine, whenever Ray buries the lightsabers the mm-hmm. two lightsabers together, uh, Luke and Luke slash Anakin's and then or Leia's. Anakin's and Leia's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always I said both just to not stir up any debate. Not interested <laughs> in that. <laughs> but it made me wonder. It made me wonder for like future franchises, like if they're gonna do a sequel sequel trilogy, is someone gonna accidentally dig up right, well, these they were, lightsabers again? It's interesting because they were found for very. I mean, not found. They were buried for very different reasons. You know, mm-hmm. like. Obi-Wan is trying to repress something awful and she is just trying to put people to rest. Lay them you know? to rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that'd be okay, maybe not. I hope they don't do it then. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> Same. Yeah, let's, just let, let's just let those people be dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
do you, you want to talk a little bit more about part two? Is there more stuff in part one? Um, oh yeah, dude, I totally forgot about part two. I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, my favorite thing is just seeing all these different Jedi coming up that we're seeing. Uh, I mean, I mm-hmm. thought Kumail's character was another Jedi at first. I didn't really make the connection that he was just using like magnets and stuff until oh. I rewatched it. And I saw the thing kind of like jiggle a little bit before it came to him. Oh um, yeah. I, I, like, I gotta ah. say, I called it from like a mile. You called away. it. Yeah. Oh, I was man. like, that's a bathrobe. That's not a Jedi robe. And <laughs> they, they did that whole, like, I don't know, magnetic sound for whenever he was using mm-hmm. the force. I was like, okay, this dude, He's please probably one over on everyone. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is a Jedi mind trick. I'm entering your mind. <laughs> I also don't understand what it is that he's doing because, like, like we're, we're like these rendezvous points that he's sending people that are actually helping them. Yeah, it just sounds like he's got connects within the Empire, and he's just hustling people for money. That's it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I, I I don't understand his operation, but whatever. It's it was kind of cool that we kind of get like this Star Wars underground railroad sort of system that they have to get people out and to rescue Jedi. That's like kind of really mm-hmm. interesting. And I love uh, I love more stuff that we get from that in in part three. Um, but yeah, part two was cool because we it was almost yeah it was entirely on that planet. Dayu, which I realized I was mispronouncing throughout the whole trailer reaction episode. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I think it's a Dayu. I think it's a Dayu throughout it, but yeah, Dayu. Um, cool planet. Uh, I mean, it was definitely a hive of scum and villainy. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was really cool though to kind of see Obi Wan being like this old veteran, you know, trying to shake off the rust and he's you know going through the city trying to track down leia and he's kind of like rusty with fighting his like fist hurts after he punches people he's like ah god (laughs) yeah well he punched the dude in the horn and i was like oh that's like that's funny because i've always wondered about that like how did you not hit the horn anyway yeah it was good it was cool seeing flea in there from red hot chili peppers yeah yeah i thought that was interesting because flea flea's in a lot of things like he voiced donnie from wild thornberries and uh i did not know that i like how, yeah yeah i like how he's just involved in things like he's got so many different lives he's such an interesting person and it was funny because i didn't realize it was flea at first i just remember seeing him the bounty hunter this is the bounty hunter for that was hunting leia uh the bald guy and i was like i feel like i know that guy and i looked it up and i was like oh dude that's flea oh dude that's flea <laughs> yeah that was my exact quote in my head nothing like uh no no crazy you know worldly quotes just oh wow that's flea what was it what did you what did you like the most i guess about this episode the second one part two um i really just liked everything we got the all the interactions we get with obi-wan and leia i thought was super cool it's really cute but i'm i don't know if i want to say i'm worried but i'm starting to wonder if disney is starting to see this trend of like what works for them to have an older, gruffer, rougher uh, warrior, and mm-hmm. pair them with a baby, and have them <laughs> and have them have to rescue the baby the whole show. I'm not I'm not yeah. complaining about that at all. Like I don't like want to come off. I don't want my tone to be mis mistaken for anything else. But I'm just starting to wonder if like okay, this is the whole time. I was like, this is kind of similar to Mando in a sense. But like I'm here for it because I love Mando, so I'm not like going to complain. I'm just like pointing out a pattern. No, you're. I mean, you're you're catching the right pattern because I mean, Disney owns Marvel, and Marvel has the same formula for all their movies. And you wouldn't know that, Brooker, because you don't watch the movies. But that is like what they do. <laughs> they just kind of follow like the same like quirky format, and then use catchy music music from like the '80s and stuff mm-hmm. just to catch your attention, and then uh, yeah, tell their story in between. Yeah, but you know, it's. I mean, it's working right now. They're definitely yeah, gonna have to change absolutely. it eventually. Yeah, but. eventually. But I mean, that being said, I still really liked. I mean, I still like it. I mean, I think it's really cool to see Obi Wan a little bit out of his element, having to take care of this baby or this ten year old. Mm-hmm. And I love how he kind of talks about how he reminds her of someone that that she that he used to knew, really hinting at Padme. Mm-hmm. And I just found all that to be like really cool and cute. And then my jaw just kind of dropped a little bit when towards the end of this episode, when Reva killed 
the Grand Inquisitor, because even though I didn't have that much baggage with him uh, or, you know, ex- exposure to him prior to the show, I, I, I understood yeah. that was kind of a big deal. Like, was that surprising to you? It was because this show takes place before Rebels and he is a main character in Rebels. So in that moment, I was kind of like, are they, did they just retcon <laughs> like right in front of our faces? Oh, uh, whoa. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. So that's that's where I was saying before I was like, she's going to she Reva is going to get wrecked because she thinks he's dead and he's going to be like, guess what? Oh, that, that adds a whole nother layer to this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's going to be yeah, kind of cool. So if think, we get like a Sith battle, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts because like regardless of. I mean, well, that's it. He lives. That's it. She's so dead. She is so dead. <laughs> and I think that <laughs> and I think it's just going to be a really good opportunity for them to show like. How much Vader just doesn't doesn't take that. You know what I mean? He's just going to like, all right, I'm gonna get rid of you. You're extinguished. Zoom. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. <laughs> Uh, what, what was some of your favorite parts from part two? My favorite parts were um, Obi-Wan getting hunted by King K. Rule, like the villain from Donkey Kong, the big <laughs> alligator guy. Yeah, the, the, the velociraptor <laughs> with a blaster. Yeah, that, that was, was crazy. Awesome. I was like, this is nuts, man. And then we get that robot who uh, looks like the guy from Mando that was piloting the ship in that breakout episode. Mm. I think that was that was really fun. Um just that I thought that was really cool. It was nice to see him just kind of like using the powers again. And um, yeah. I was hoping to see some lightsaber stuff, but we'll Same, get there. But like, I, guess, I, I, I get it. Like to really try and show how hesitant he is to like, just dive back into that. And even when he has to mm-hmm. save Leia from falling, he like really had to dig deep to use the force. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's making Luke in The Last Jedi make a whole lot more sense about just... What do you mean? Because I feel like a common complaint that people who don't like The Last Jedi say that like it like ruined Luke for them or whatever. That like, you know, Luke wouldn't have just become a hermit and hidden off from the war or whatever. Mm. But I mean, this is showing that there's precedence for it. I mean, even before this show, we kind of knew that both Yoda and Obi-Wan went off and hid to be hermits, but... This is really showing not only did Obi-Wan go and hide off to hide from the Empire and being a hermit, but he also like started to cut himself off from the Force a little bit. I mean, because we saw how much effort it took him to do that. And I don't think we've seen him use the Force an awful lot uh, in the show, really. And even mm-hmm. like the, his lightsaber duels and stuff like that, or lightsaber abilities. So... And it's because of the guilt that he is carrying for failing Anakin, just like how Luke in The Last Jedi carries the guilt for failing Ben Solo. And that led to another purge and Obi-Wan failed Anakin. That led to the first Jedi purge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of parallels to their response to that. And to me, this is not that I ever like questioned Luke in that movie, but I think that this is cool because it's like we're kind of getting to see the steps of like how he got there and like where his yeah. mental is at. And it's like, hey, yeah, this is where Luke is at in The Last Jedi. And I don't know. It, that to I, me kind of made a whole lot of sense. I didn't even make that connection. That's that's totally right. Um, interesting. It makes me this is I mean, totally off topic, but it makes me wonder. <laughs> This is so off topic. This is actually going back an episode. It makes me wonder because you mentioned Yoda, what Yoda was doing in the in between making money, dude. <laughs> like I if he had like, a job or something. He was just eating frogs, man. But I yeah. am, I'm so curious if we're going to see Yoda in this at all. Like, I kind of really hope that we do. I oh, dude, I doubt it. I really doubt it. But I would love it if we get to see Yoda in this. Mm-hmm. I ooh. Yeah, because we would have to see him in person because he's not a force ghost yet. Mm-mm. And ooh, ooh, when do you think we would see him? Because there's six episodes. I, I bet you he'd come in at the end. <sighs> That's the thing. Oh my god! I bet you it's gonna be at the end. And just how episode three ended with Obi Wan talking to Yoda, being like, "I got something to tell you. <gasps> I got something to teach you." He's gonna do the same thing. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that would be awesome. But when if when if they cross paths while he still has Leia 
and that will kind of like plant the seeds for when in return the jedi yoda knows that there is another and that like <gasps> because like I mean, I know like Yoda was there when they were born and like he knows the twins and everything, but like that would make that statement so much more impactful if like mm-hmm. he got to see Leia as a child in this show and like he somehow got to understand how strong she is in the force. And that's like always like been in the back of his mind. And uh, dude, that would be so cool. Interesting. I wonder if Leia is going to use the force in this show, too. I like forget about it, maybe. Right. I really hope she does. I would love that. I that might that might make the original trilogy like a little problematic, you know, that like we never see her use it. But like, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) I Um, picture her doing it like Baby Yoda style, like using the force and passing out. (laughs) She didn't know what she did. She just like completely forgets about it because she's like a kid and just forgets. But I don't know. She's she's quick, though. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that would that would be so cool. Uh, I, I I think that would be really neat if they do that. Mm-hmm. What if what if Obi-Wan like, tries to like, take her blood test like Qui-Gon did? Because he looked up the Qui-Gon so <laughs> let's much. Check up your, let's check your midichlorians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes so many people mad. <laughs> I want I do want them to say that word again. Just yeah. just for the reaction, just so I can hop on Twitter and just. Hashtag midichlorian. Just see what happens. <laughs> oh my god, I would that Test would that would be very funny. I think yeah. I would I would I would be here for that chaos. I'm I'm down. <laughs> I love chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got for for these two episodes. I, yeah, I was just yeah, yeah, really good premiere. Well, I know we didn't touch on a whole lot of scenes from part two, but part two flows really well. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it was, it was very good. Like I said, I liked all the stuff with Leia. The actual rescue was fun. I love how spunky little Leia is in this. So yeah, there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot to like, and I'm very excited in the direction that the show is going. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, I, I was worried about her character at first. Cause I figured it was her when we saw Alderaan and then we saw her like being dressed by like the matrons. And then I was like, oh, man, she's snooty. She grew up snooty. And then she's not. And then she didn't. Grow she's up the snooty. opposite. She calls out other snoots. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, OK, she's cool. She's a little down to earth, yeah, um, which is, which is so exactly what they want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. I just watch it with my dumb brain and I just take it all in as it is and <laughs> enjoy mm-hmm. it. See, I was um, like, oh, they're just going to make her just like every normal kid. Like she's just going to be like worried about toys or whatever and but no mm-hmm. it was cool to see that uh and again they did another really good job at paralleling her and luke that we see because you know we see luke miming being a pilot uh mm-hmm. on his house and we see her she's looking at the sky to look at the the all the different ships going through and she's like calling what they are so like they're showing that like you know being a pilot's in both their blood and i yeah thought that was a cool thing to to pair them with or yeah. show, show that and connection. then she's just and that she's like worldly too. And it started young. Like the interest started young. Mm-hmm. So um, I did have a question for you. So since we did get two episodes released at once, do you think it would have been better getting um, these split up week to week? Or do you think the two was the way to go? I think the two is the way to go. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you, you really got to give people their catnip, you know, <laughs> <laughs> draw them in. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I really liked how they did mando season one i don't know if you remember but they released on a wednesday and then they released a second episode that friday and then they went to the Mm. friday releases weekly i thought that was very fun um i don't know why that was more fun to me than just having two episodes drop at the same time but i enjoyed that so that's my it was it was (laughs) nice getting a breather it was nice getting a breather i feel like they um they probably went super hard releasing the two uh like the first day of celebration because maybe day two of celebration wasn't going to be too like star heavy because they went so star heavy on day one that it was like something to give people to talk about and you know get excited about for the weekend that's that was kind of my my thought for it Uh, yeah i wonder if it's just because and and now it makes sense to me why they pushed it back two days because they wanted to show it during celebration and i guess Mm -hmm. it wouldn't make sense if they did like the mando one two punch it would have made sense to like drop one before a celebration and then just have like episode two during celebration like yeah like because you don't really I, want people talking about it when you're trying to do like your introductions and such so yeah, like oh my oh my fucking god like what'd you think about this part at the end of the episode you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny 
Oh my god, yeah. But um, so what's next on our list? Is it Death Star ratings? Uh, Death Star. Do you have any bold predictions before we go into Death Star ratings? Um, yeah, I'm going to say my bold predictions to Yoda stuff that like um, Yoda is going to meet Leia. I'm going to make that's my big old bold prediction in this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, mine was the Reva head theory, which uh, is a very good theory. I love how you. I, well, I don't think I gave you like enough credit. Like I feel like I was very just like, yeah, that's cool. No, that was a very cool <laughs> theory that you posit because you connected a lot of dots and I, I need to emphasize well done. And I'm very excited to see because how that plays out. Cause I feel like those dots are too close to each other to, for them to not actually connect them in this show. So yeah, thank you, I would thank be you. extremely surprised if that doesn't happen. Thank you very much. My approach is, knowing that you're going to bring it. So I need to bring my A game too. So <laughs> that, that is a, that is a credit to you, my, my friend. Uh, but that being said, let's do our death star ratings. Maybe lump these two together. What would we rate these two or no separately? Let's do separately. Yeah. How do you rate the first one? Um, I love it. It's probably one of my favorite star Wars, like Disney star Wars things I've ever seen. I don't want to give it a five just because I want I want to give this show room to grow. So I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it like I'm gonna give it four. I'm gonna give it four Death Stars. It's really good. Same. I loved it. Same four four also. What about the second one? I'll go first on the second one. Yeah, I gave this one a three seven five because was... it was good, but it wasn't everything, mm-hmm. and it was more of like a continuation, not so much like a standalone episode in my opinion. Mhm. Yeah, no, it definitely felt more like a proper third act to the first episode. But yeah. it was really good. I mean, I don't have any gripes against it. So, but it wasn't as good as the first one. So I'm going to say three and a half and a really yeah. strong three and a half. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I feel like I I'm a little more um when I get cliffhangers, I start to judge it a little bit more critically because I'm like, okay, were you relying on that cliffhanger to make this episode super good, right? Because the end of it, he was like, <gasps> Anakin, and then we got Vader. So that's kind of where I stand on that. But yeah, I think we, we're we going to get a great show. I'm so excited for this. This is going to be awesome. I'm so sad it's only six episodes. I'm so sad about that. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, things to look out for while we cl- before we close the show. Uh, Brooker and I were talking about doing a like a uh, what's it called where you play it and we commentary voiceover track? commentary. God, I always forget what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> commentary. You can tell it was Brooker's idea because I didn't know what it was called. A commentary episode, uh, and then we do we need to do a little recap of what went down at Star Wars Celebration because a lot of things, a lot more things came out than. I don't know than I was expecting. So I feel like we need to give that. And uh, I s- do still feel like I don't even know everything that came out. So yeah, there's just so much yeah. content right now to explore and dialogue over. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was star Wars overload, <laughs> but I'm okay <laughs> with it. Uh, I would do, I was all over Twitter. My goodness. I was just going crazy on Twitter this past week. So gosh i was like so having to avoid it because the reason why we're recording so late it's my fault because i was traveling for the memorial day weekend and i didn't even get to watch these episodes until after the weekend and that was just torture that was torture because yeah. like i didn't want i like stayed off of reddit and twitter because i was like trying to avoid uh, spoilers as much as I could. And like, I felt like I couldn't talk to you for like a week. So <laughs> no, <laughs> I try, couldn't, I didn't talk to you. Cause I was like, I can't even talk to this man. <laughs> and we almost made it. We almost made it until our star Wars group chat came alive again to talk about these, these episodes uh, this morning. And I was like, dang, man, we just, we had like 12 hours to go. Yeah, I know. Um, we but... almost did it. But it was it was well worth it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was I, I needed that. I needed that before <laughs> we hopped on the show. Otherwise I'd just be giggling the whole time. So mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. Oh my goodness. This is this is just so great. I'm so excited to talk about part three, which I, I'm also super happy that they actually called these episodes like part one, part two, part three, and not give them these cheesy spoilerific titles like yes. what the Mandalorian does. That, that ticks me off so much biggest pet peeve 
Yes. I just yeah. That's you know what, what's wrong with a with, with a one point one? You know, this is mm-hmm. this is episode one. We're gonna move on to to episode two. You know, yep. and you know that's it. That's that. Suck that's it, nerds. It. Leave it at that. Keep yeah. it simple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, do you want to go ahead and close us out? Uh, uh, yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Blue Milk Drop. Uh, please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Milk Drop. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Share us with friends and family. That would mean so much to us. I'm starting to do this little thing where I give you a little gift missions. My mission to you guys, if you listen to this episode, is to send us a gif of your favorite Obi-Wan gif. No context. No context at all. And some of you don't know what that means. So be sure that you can just yes. don't, don't spoil stuff. And, Stop and, spoiling it. What the yeah, heck? <laughs> yeah, just no context. Tweet at us at Blue Milk Drop, your favorite Obi-Wan gif. I'm so excited to see like maybe two or three of the same gifs over and over. But give me some deep cuts. And we will see you next time when we talk about part three of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And you are now free to exit the escape pod. (laughs) (laughs) If you'll uh, single file (laughs) down the lanes and follow the zipper pattern because we're human beings and this is a society. May the force be with you. Bye. Force will be with you always.